First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy Thursday at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 2, Disengage is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello everybody, Mike Bloom here, not disengaging anytime soon with Star Trek Picard, especially after such a fun episode, in my opinion, where we got to see some old faces return, a very new face return, but in my opinion, delight to be had all around. Of course, I am not alone here, I am joined by my handler, someone whose words can certainly be as cutting as a bat left, Jessica Leach. Jess, how are you? Yum, yum. Oh, God. Why? I mean, you know what? Actually, it makes much more sense from the position of, like, of CD Ferengi, in my opinion, than of Commander Non. That's, I'm much more fine with this version of yum, yum. But can we please get this out of the Star Trek lexicon, people? Can yeah. Alex Kurtzman send this message out? this memo to all parties involved no longer using the term yum yum in your shows i feel like there should be somewhere in the star trek bible there's got to be a list of verboten terms mm. and we could just add this one to the list it would be fine yeah uh, even when it's used tongue-in-cheek like this still an odd thing to say no matter what the year no matter what the race no matter what the circumstance yeah it's like nobody goes to the bathroom on star trek and nobody mm. says the word yum i'm happy yeah. with that well, they already broke one of those rules on Star Trek Discovery, at least talking about what happens to the product from said bathroom visit. Yes. So maybe they felt like the second rule was, was breakable as well. Well, we're going to be talking about perhaps rules of acquisition in the form of one particular Ferengi appearance, in addition to many other appearances throughout this episode. And although I hate the term, I will say yum yum to me applies to my enjoyment of this episode because I was very much satisfied 
with it. I do feel like we talked about last episode being a bit of a standstill. And I think when you look at it overall and you're like, what have we done? Raffi's still on this shady planet and Picard and Riker are back on the Titan and we're still in the nebula. Yes, we're not exactly going planet jumping like the TNG days of yore, but I do feel like we have gotten to the what we felt were inevitable plot points incredibly quickly. I think maybe we have seen some of Patrick Stewart's best acting in the series so far in one particular moment. Some of the new characters they introduced from both last episode and this episode, I've started to really enjoy. This This is an episode to me that I think made me realize what Star Trek Picard was going to be. And it made me feel optimistic about where we're going, being able to handle these nostalgia bumps that we were expecting, but also some really delightful and interesting new beats and characters. Jess, how did you feel? Well, Mike, there's a lot to love in this episode, for sure. And I think, I'm thinking back to what we said last week, where we have so many, so many series now do the thing with the the Star Wars thing of dropping both episodes on you at once. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we really would have benefited for having this episode right after the last one. Mm -hmm. They feel like one proceeds from the other so organically. And I didn't feel like I was fully into it until we were at the very end. And we confirmed some of our theories that we had formulated from the last week. We finally met the villain. We're, we're in it now. And I don't think we were in it last week in quite mm -hmm. the same way. Yeah, I agree that we have our introduction to who probably is going to be our big bad. We have now brought not one, not two, but three TNG cast members into the fold. And I think starting to kind of inch Raffi's story along which is probably like my only main pain point with these first couple of episodes but I'm excited to get into it because even though we hung around the same nebula and the same planet it does feel like the show is starting to go places only a fifth of the way in yep it's starting to go boldly where absolutely no one has gone before or you know very few uh in this case well we talk about the Kirk and David of it all with the oh no yes. I had a son that I didn't realize <laughs> Yeah, we went we went to that place and we also went we also went into apparently a Law and Order episode for a little while. Um shout out to Law and Order veteran Michelle Hurd. Well, done done. Let's flash back, shall we? Let's start our episode 2 weeks ago after the, you know, uh mic drop revelation last week about Jack Crusher's identity. Now we get to sort of see him in his own Form without his mom around we see him piloting the ship which we now know is the Ilios doing assumingly what him and his mother were just usually doing right which is going to these planets and doing not vigilante-esque things but I would say kind of just morally gray stuff in this example uh, he was going to have weapons to sell to both sides of warring warlords and then while they're taking each other out then he'd be able to use medical supplies to cure a pandemic that was wrought upon the planet yeah <clears throat> sounds like he's a little bit of the of the chaotic good yeah which is interesting because he comes into contact with the Fenris Rangers who kind of also seem to take up that slot right when we were introduced to the Fenris Rangers in seven of nine in season one it also did seem like they were doing the yeah we're operating outside the laws of Starfleet to get done what we need done so it's interesting to see different shades of that, again, morally gray here with them 
being a bit combative in that while the Fenris Rangers certainly operate outside of Starfleet's rule, they still have their own rules that Jack Crusher is val- is invalidating. Yeah, he's outside of all of the rules. He's too cool for your rules. I I feel like we're being it is being shoved down our throat how cool this guy is. And it makes me not trust him. Interesting. You think we might see a heel turn from him? I don't think we're seeing a heel turn from him. I think maybe it it doesn't make me distrust him. It makes me distrust the show. Mm. Because when you have a character that's like that forcefully introduced, you want there to be more to him. And then when there's not, it feels like a letdown. And the same thing, like, I think the revelation that he is Picard's son, not much of a revelation, obviously, but there are so many questions that I don't know if the show is going to go there with that are going to be to the detriment of my enjoyment of this character. For what it's worth, we obviously use this episode to get a big look at Ed Spieler's character of Jack Crusher, who I really enjoy. I'm a little trepidatious always when it comes to Star Trek Picard because either the new characters are, you know, a little two-dimensional slash unlikable, or when we do like them, they end up getting taken away like we see last season. But if this was our introduction to Jack Picard slash Crusher, I really enjoyed him. I do think he has kind of the smarminess and almost like uh, the tapestry-like look as to, you know, what if Picard did decide to go rogue took that that brashness that we got from the young cadet in Starfleet before he got stabbed by a Nausicaan and instead like joined up with this organization where he's robbing from the rich and giving to the poor and taking on all these different names, uh, much like that Okana guy whose name ended up showing up in this episode as well that we got from TNG season two. It's a fun way to see, especially with him up against Picard, how far or close the apple falls to the holographic tree. Yeah, well, chief among my nature versus nurture questions are where did that accent come from? I I guess it's he's born with it, perhaps, unless Beverly Crusher did some genetic engineering and was like, all right, I'm away from Jean-Luc, but I need to be reminded of him. I need a son who has a British accent, but then also says like a couple of key French phrases to make it seem like he would initially be from France, even though in this day and age, some people who reside within France do not have authentic French accents. Yeah, maybe it's one of those things with, like, the universal translator. Wouldn't it be cool if you could, like, choose your accent? Like, maybe everybody is just choosing what they want to sound like. Now, what's interesting is Jack does say here to the Fenris Rangers, Mon Ami, and there was a hot second where I'm like, oh, maybe this is a cue. Maybe, I know the the cue died, but this could be another cue. See, there are a lot of things that Jack Crusher could be that would be more interesting than Picard's secret bastard son. So, this brings me to i think the main thing i want to discuss in this podcast mike Mm, because there are a lot of discussion questions to be explored here um number one in the 23rd century we are still having oops babies this seems like this seems like a misstep this seems like something that technology should have solved at this point um that's one thing another thing is this just all of this seems so out of character with what we know of Beverly Crusher. Yeah. Just from the, from the leaving all of the order of star of Starfleet and seemingly going rogue, raising a son and not telling the baby daddy Mm -hmm. and just like disappearing uh, for 
two plus decades and not talking to any of her old friends seems a little out of out of character for her and when she comes back i'm sure we're gonna get some of this stuff explained yeah but it's just very much not in line with anything we know about the character to this point especially everything we know about the character and how she relates to picard in particular Mm. because of picard's character arc when it comes to family and balancing like his desire to have had a family with a career we know when when picard goes into the nexus the (laughs) place he goes is like charles dickens christmas with nine children calling him papa and we feel that he really thinks he skipped you know he missed something not having children and he misses this fact that he's not continuing his legacy and you have to think that someone who knows him as well as beverly crusher is going to know this Mm. and so why on earth knowing like how much he wished that he could be a father why on earth would she just peace out with his love child and not ever tell him i totally agree with that latter point in particular that's definitely the thing that i'm left with after what i think was a beautiful scene of of picard and crusher seeing each other but then also does provide this question right of really beverly it lasted 20 years and you did not tell anybody including the father of your child about his mere existence not even give him the choice to like care for him or meet him at all that seems selfish and i agree i think out of the character that we initially knew to your point, I mean, she didn't have a line this episode. I'm assuming once she's a little more healed, starting next episode, we'll get more explanation. But yeah, the Nexus point, it is interesting. I mean, in that movie, he did just lose his brother and his nephew. So maybe mm-hmm. it was just sort of like a a recent ping from the Nexus of, oh, you like family? I heard you like family, dog. So let me put the family <laughs> on top of your family inside of the Nexus. So the Nexus is the TikTok recommendation engine. It's your FYP, absolutely, of like, uh, we read the algorithm, here's what I know what you want. But I do think it's a very valid point that while on the surface, this Picard-Jack Crusher thing is really interesting, especially in this scene. And I I really enjoyed things like him sitting down with Jack. And just the continual storyline this episode of everyone but Picard basically trying to address this elephant in the room. And Picard saying, oh, can I put it under the rug? Can I put it in the chair? Maybe it'll be on the ceiling of him just like, refusing to acknowledge this this to me honestly feels the most Jean-Luc Picardy that Jean-Luc Picard has been in the series Picard it has and it's been bandied about and I don't completely agree with it but I will say that by comparison with the other what like 21 episodes we've had those have just kind of felt like Patrick Stewart giving monologues this to me and specifically showing his weaknesses felt more Picard to me that we got all the way back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I agree with that, Mike. Like, him reacting to this news was very him. And, you know, we're going back to his brother and nephew. We definitely saw that side of him when he goes to his brother's house at the end of, like, after he's been a Borg, and he uses that time to heal and reconcile with his thoughts of Okay, maybe I'm not going to have a family and maybe that's okay. And now him having done so much work on himself to avoid all of those pratfalls, he is now confronted with it and he is definitely going to try to 
not confronted. I right. I do love that. I just think it's wildly out of character for literally everybody else. Right. Yeah, the, the crusher aspect of it all is this thing where the revelation on the surface is interesting, but brings up a lot of questions and definitely questionable choices on her part that hopefully we will get answered knowing the pace of the show perhaps as soon as next week yeah there are some other theories about jack crusher that would have at least like their theories i have formulated that would have Mm -hmm. been other ways to take this that might have been a little more a little less predictable maybe I mean, you are bringing this up. There is, I would say, a non-zero chance that perhaps we get the swerve on top of the other swerve, the Picard maneuver of, you thought it was this one thing, but it's an illusion, and maybe Jack Crusher isn't Picard's son. I would love that, because he did just sort of assume that. And I don't know, this was also a, this was a plot point in the latest James Bond movie, where Mm. James Bond shows up, he's got a kid he finds his old flame and she has a kid and she's like this isn't your kid this is my kid and then of course it turns out it is his kid but i i do like that that swerve away from like you see the child and it's like you do the math in your head oh that must be my that must be my offspring and then it's like no it's not i had a life outside of you i don't actually need you anymore that would that would be more interesting um the fact that that she named him after her first husband is mm. really funny and that points to that points to him maybe that's evidence in the column of him maybe not being straightforwardly Picard's son mm. because that's messed up. <laughs> uh, I would love a couple of things I would love. I would love if Bev just decided to single mom it. And this is more in keeping with what I feel like the future should be like. Mm-hmm. You decide you want to raise a child on your own that technology is available to you without judgment and you can just do it and you don't have to justify yourself to anybody. Right. She could just have, you know, she could have banked some sperm like years ago. Like maybe she and Jack Crusher talked about having a second child and they were just going to plan for the right time. Then he died. I know we were talking about how modern Star Trek is all about how Starfleet is shady, but if they have like sperm reserves for all of their Starfleet persona, that oh, is you might the not even thing. need it. You can replicate anything, right, Mike? I, I guess. Could you replicate sperm? Computer, Jean Luc Picard's penis, hot. <laughs> Look, I there's a lot of fanfic out there, Mike. I suppose so. Yeah. And it, it, rule thirty four, my friend. But yeah. I'm not even talking about like I'm talking about the severest clinical definition of this. We can clone in the we can clone in the twenty third century. True. Why couldn't we? Why couldn't we decide to fertilize an egg? Like, why would we need the primary source to do that? So there's any number of ways that Bev could have had the father of jack crusher be jack crusher senior Mm -hmm. there's also weird stuff has happened in the star trek universe to bring people back putting it lightly yeah (laughs) what if this is jack crusher senior oh that's fun is like some kind of clone of jack crusher senior and what if you know she's just raising like baby baby dead husband jack as her son that brings up even more questionable choices than maybe yes. what we're assuming for Beverly Crusher right now. <laughs> Look, Beverly Crusher has made questionable choices any way you slice it. I'm just saying yeah. that would be interesting if if it was like 
I don't know if he has he has explicitly referred to her as his mother, right? Yes, he has said, you know, I'm her son. Uh, yeah. Obviously, and Shaw's going to make this point, right, of like, oh, maybe he's conning us. But no, it does seem like the way that she wordlessly made that gesture to Picard upon coming out of, you know, critical condition, it does seem like he is her flesh and blood son. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be Occam's razor, I think. But I would love it to be some other explanation or that he's lying about being her son and she's covering for him because he's some other like supernatural creature. He could be a Q maybe, or mm -hmm. like, as we mentioned earlier, I think we're definitely bound for the easiest possible explanation here, but it it's, it's messed up that she's named him Jack Crusher. If he's the son of Jean-Luc Picard, that's just messed up. I'm sorry. Well, these three guys are in a pretty messed up situation as we cut to the present. Now that we know a bit more about what Jack Crusher is up to, as he continues to kind of yell at these two random men as to thank you for alerting the big bad ship to my presence. And now they showcase a bit of their firepower by blowing up the shuttle. I did not notice this, Jess, until this episode as we see a shrap uh, piece of the, the hull fly our direction. Is the shuttle named after Savick? Yeah. Well, didn't Savick command the Titan at some point? Yeah, I believe she was the first captain of the yeah. Titan. I don't know if that was added in after the fact, considering Kirstie Alley's death. But otherwise, that's a wild coincidence. Yeah, that would be nice. I, I like that tribute for sure. Um, I would also, I'm surprised that we don't have more like, it seems like every ship has its own themed runabout names. I yes. would love it if we had more of this, like, paying tribute to other, to, like, the past leaders. Sort yeah. of like when I was in college, working on the college newspaper, and we named all of our Macs after past editors of the paper. Yeah, I mean, look, we live in America. How many of our buildings, streets, cities, etc. are named after past presidents? And yeah. president. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we tend to have these... We tend to have these ship names be things that are recognizable in our universe. But I, I also think it's weird that all the names are Earth names. Yeah. Uh, this is like the first non-Earth name we've ever had on a runabout. Well, we'll again stay with everything going on in the Nebula. We'll get to the Raffi undercover stuff later on. Let's get to the Titan here because obviously Shaw's going to tell Seven you got some explaining to do. But at least in this moment, Seven is going to be able to convince Shaw to fly into the line of fire to rescue these guys. And it turns out the Titan's going to be involved in a very large way in moving forward. Jess, has the needle moved for you in either direction regarding Shaw now that we have two episodes of him? You know, Shaw's done nothing wrong here. It's just that it's not his show. Um, I still, I still think he's doing a great job. Like, nice work, Shaw. I think we're meant to not trust him from the start because Crusher says, don't involve Starfleet and don't tell anyone. And those are the first two things that Picard and Riker did. So there's that. But I, and I think there's probably going to be some point where we are, are, carefully cultivated mistrust of him is going to be justified somehow but right now he's following the rules he's being a good leader he's doing what he's supposed to do um i think it's super weird that random retired admiral can pull rank on him but i guess that's the world we live in now 
Yeah, but I also think that this episode proved that luckily we're not just going to have Shaw as the stick in the mud the entire time, even though, to your point, we can see his perspective. That's what Star Trek is all about, that even the villains, you understand where they're coming from. And here's a guy who keeps a ship shape ship, in a manner of speaking, and then these two old guys just hijack it on their wacky vacation rescue mission. Like, he has a right to act the way he does, but the fact that he ultimately does acquiesce, right? Seven does petition him saying, basically, you could be remembered as the hero who saved heroes, or you could be remembered as the captain who let two legends die. When that moment, as you mentioned before, Picard is able to belay the order that Shaw gives, and once Shaw realizes what's going on with Jack Crusher, he decides to follow him. I like it. It shows that, yes, he is still more hardline. This is still his ship, but he can say assholey things without being a complete out and out asshole, which I think is a very tough thing to pull off. But I like the fact that, for example, Seven wins them over. The Titan does appear in the nebula to save them. But Shaw is still going to be like a little pissy about it and says like, yeah, we're basically a hotel now. The more, the merrier. Yeah, he, he has every right. I, I, nothing Shaw has done at this point is unforgivable. Yeah. And what's interesting, though, is Shaw also kind of has a little bit of that Starfleet captain we know and love in him, right? Like, as soon mm-hmm. as they get the quartet on board, Seven's like, okay, now we can GTFO. And Shaw's like, hold on a second. I want to see who we're dealing with right now. And I am so, so happy we do. Uh, first, this is just some more fantastic smarminess from jack crusher who is a character that again i really enjoy just how sarcastic he is there's a lot of comedy in this episode as we're about to get into with one particular person but between this between uh one of the bridge crew members saying captain and then shaw Riker, and picard all say yes at the same time (laughs) if you want a representation of like the odd power dynamic happening aboard the titan it's right there that's all you need yeah it, it is really beautiful I want to admit my previous statement. I still think it's not okay that he's not calling Seven of Nine what she wants to be called. Yes, that's a very good call. That he still that is unforgivable. has this really odd XB thing. I saw something on Reddit that surmised, mm. because we're about to get into a character, right, that kind of runs down uh, Shaw's Starfleet record, that there was something about him and responsibility, that perhaps he is like a self-hating XB, and that he deplored what he had done when he was assimilated, and so he hates anyone else who was similarly assimilated. You'd think that being assimilated would make you more sympathetic, which has been the case with every XB we've seen up to this point. Like, this has been the case for for Picard, obviously, and for Seven, and for even, like, Icheb and Hugh, Mm -hmm. to some extent as well. We see them really being very charitable toward their fellow XBs. And I guess there is a there is the thought that what you would have done, like self-hating XB or even just so angry at any any mere suggestion of anything that happened to you at the hands of the Borg would just make you hate all things Borg, even if it was out of your control that you were a Borg. I guess that's also yeah. a possibility. But in that case, if that's all in his file. I don't know. Why would they let Seven serve under him? Maybe they thought it'd be a match made in heaven. Hey, two <laughs> XBs working together. Ooh, turns out not. Yeah, record scratch. Um, I I think it's 
really I, I maybe they send her to serve with him in hopes that it'll help him out of his shell or something mm, that could be as well i needed you as much as you needed me yes he learns that the thing that they need the most is each other well it doesn't help that she also now has picard on board who i think she looks up to much more glowingly than shaw especially in this moment Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But they are all looking up to a new face that pops up on the screen as they are hailed by the debut of, assumingly, the big bad of Star Trek Picard season three. She is here. Vadic, played by Amanda Plummer. I adore her. Oh, she is such a fun character, She's Jess. She's the best. She's the best. Amanda Plummer is absolutely the best. Um, she really reminded me in this portrayal here, this was giving me her character from So I Married an Axe Murderer. Mm. Like just that delightfully unhinged. Like she has got the scenery and she is just making a meal out of it. And she's doing what she does she's amanda Plummer, gonna amanda Plummer, and there's this sort of i think almost every character i've ever seen her play there's this sort of like something that's not you know a little bit off about her and she just goes for it here 
Yeah. And I, you know, this is not the most original villain. No. This feels like this is, it feels like a TOS villain, if we're really being honest. What what it feels like to me was the like uh bloviating and theatrics of Khan combined with mm. like the Rios surety lean back in the chair smoke a stogie type of bravado yeah yeah for sure i it definitely is giving con um and yeah and and there's something about her having all this information at her fingertips to torture them with it's almost like she set a trap this feels like she's luring them like she all of this is almost preordained like she bothered the crushers to bring in picard and did a lot of homework very quickly yeah let's talk about that right because vatic makes a hell of an entrance we're going to find out about her ship which she names the shrike but it has like every weapon from every species of mass destruction as you said she knows the name rank and file of basically everyone aboard the titan at this moment and their backgrounds the only thing I could think of, or at least the first thing I did, was time travel. Is like this omnipotence of her being able to dart around any point in time and pick up information about these people. I guess the second thing would just be if you become so powerful, a la Packleds in Star Trek Lower Decks, right? And you just like grab a little bit of everything from everybody. It allows you to essentially know everything. Yeah, or, you know, they have Google. She Googled them. That's true, but we we lost the supercomputer. That hopped into the future with Discovery, so it's not that advanced. But yeah, maybe she was able to just get the skinny on everything. Though we also don't know, like, what quadrant she hails from, what her background is. Yeah, she could be a hacker. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that could be true, actually. Do we know what if she's a Romulan? I was trying to, like, look at the ears and the haircut to try to figure out exactly what it was, but everything was so oversaturated and the angles were so angular that I couldn't exactly uh, make head or tails of what she looked like. Yeah, I think... I thought I had read that she was supposed to be a Romulan. Vag sounds like a Romulan name, but... She has the, she has the Rom haircut, I would say that. Yeah, she definitely has the haircut. I think they usually... They usually pinpoint it so accurately when somebody is a species they make they go out of their way to tell you what they are Mm -hmm. um so there might be something more to this but it also could be largely irrelevant because i think when you hang your villain too heavily on like on their species you tend to sort of go into this uncomfortable generalization place and i think i've heard enough about what the Romulans do that's different from us and other I've heard enough of that for one lifetime. Yeah. Hashtag not all ROMs. Let's not yeah. eradicate that part of Star Trek Picard at season one. So Vatic's demands are simple, though of course she deliciously expounds them uh through lovely language. Basically give us Jack Crusher and nobody gets hurt. And indeed Shaw texts the files and it turns out that Jack Crusher is wanted by pretty much everybody. He's a man of a million names. There were so many good ones here, but just Jarlis Carvel takes the cake, literally. Jarlis Carvel? I isn't all Carvel by definition Jarlis? It comes out of the machine, right? Yeah, I guess so. So uh, I suppose he's just. Is do you think it was the the George Glass thing where he was just kind of looking around at his favorite ice cream <laughs> Mrs. local Doubtfire. franchise? <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jarlis Carvel, that's my name. Now give yeah. me the medicine. Jack Crusher, alias Fudgy the Whale. 
<laughs> well, he's about to say fudge, right? As essentially the entire mission is give over this boy and nobody gets hurt. But just to prove your point, we are going to hurt you a little bit by throwing an entire ass ship at your ship. You know, we don't see enough ships being thrown at ships in Star Trek. I totally agree, especially because it allows us the opportunity to have LaForge just like matter-of-factly yet astoundingly say, they threw a ship at us. It's the best. It's the best. And maybe this is just pointing to, this is sort of setting a tone for what this season is going to be. I think maybe they're telegraphing with this that don't think too hard about it. Yeah. Just appreciate we're getting the gang back together. We've got a really bad villain. They're going to fight the bad guy, pew, pew, throwing ships, having fun. Maybe that's what the message of throwing a ship at them is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just take what comes your way. Be it a ship, a surprising you are the father reveal. Just try to catch it to the best of your ability. Much like hopefully Jean-Luc and Jack will have a, a catch sometime. Yeah, well, I, I always... This, this is starting to make me think about my least favorite episode of The Walking Dead ever. Ooh. Um, which was, and, you know, to be fair, they didn't intend to air these episodes. Like, this wasn't in the big grand plan. But during the pandemic, they released six extra episodes in season 10 to sort of bridge the gap between whenever they were going to be able to make season 11. Because it's a big budget mm. show. So they're these smaller episodes. And in one of them was the story of Daryl Dixon looking for his friend rick grimes and in the process meeting a woman and falling in love which was like daryl dixon for the first time in a decade has shown an interest in getting his freak on and it's like this is nothing that we've ever known about this character to this point like he has a close friendship with one you know a couple right. of women over the course of the series but it doesn't seem like he's ever someone who's like shipped with anybody mm-hmm. and then he gets in this big grand romance with this headstrong rugged individualist with gorgeous flowing red hair and it's like this feels like they bought this script from a 16 year old girl on archive of our own and i'm getting real ao3 vibes from this season of picard so far well for what it's worth i'm enjoying it all as picard is going to sit down with jack basically shaw is ready to just give it up right he says oh needs of the many I'm not putting my crew in danger for this one guy who is wanted by Starfleet for several crimes. I'm ready to give him up, take the bounty, and GTFO. And this is where we get what I think is a small but very pivotal scene of Riker just looking at Picard and being like, come on. Come on. You know. (laughs) You know. And I love it because, again, that's only Riker, right? I think Picard can certainly take shit from his crew certainly by the end hell he's playing poker with them in the very last scene of the series but truly Riker I think tops that list as somebody that has enough of a good relationship with Picard to be able to to say like let's not pussyfoot around here you know what's happening yeah yeah and and I think if someone's gonna bring it up it's gonna be Riker I mean that's true as well Riker it's like I know I, I many a times I know what the product of those types of things are. Yeah, you can't tell me Riker didn't have any secret children if we're still having oops babies in the 23rd century. Riker's got a few of those. Don't you worry Jean-Luc, there's a pamphlet for that. <laughs> Picard's going to sit down right now with Jack and I think this is a really awesome scene. This was the first time again for me in a while that I've felt like that old Picard spirit was back in him because here he is like preaching diplomacy well i think also subconsciously being like no i don't want to ditch my son but again he's refusing to acknowledge it and this is just a really cool sit down between these two guys right like uh 
Picard lists out all the things Jack is accused of doing, organized crime, terrorism, killing a man. And of course, Jack's going to kind of snidely brush that one off of, that's eh, sort of a Schrodinger's guy. We don't know if he's alive or dead. But Picard's going to ask, you're a freedom fighter? And Jack says, well, only in the sense that I'm fighting for the freedom of my patients. And so Jack is trying to really bring forward to Picard why he was doing what he was doing. And I think Jean-Luc Picard, the man who never saw things as black or white to the chagrin of Starfleet, once again, I think, finds himself in this position once she actually finds out what Jack and especially Beverly were doing. Yeah, and I mean, this is not something you like to say in the TNG universe, but we like that there are shades of gray. Yeah. We just don't like the, you know, we just don't want to call our episode that ever. Yeah, no, stay away from that is actually saying the quiet part out loud. Just make it thematic. Uh, and also, Jack is kind of taking some shots at Picard as well. Like, we we know he knows of Picard, right? There was that line beforehand while they were on the alien of, you know, oh, Captain, oh, Admiral. Oh, well, you're more historically remembered for having one less pip. And here, Jack's really going to dig into him, right? Is there anybody you know who is still the person you knew? Or did you plant roots in your vineyard while everyone else moved on? Which is also really interesting, right? Because everyone is chastising Crusher for just leaving everyone behind and not talking for the past 20 years. But Picard, as we've seen over the past couple seasons, has not necessarily been in complete engagement with his former colleagues as well. It's a it's a good point. And I have to imagine, I and again, I need the story. I need, why did they break up? Like, they got together and then they broke up. Why did they break up? Because it sure sounds like it wasn't an amicable breakup. They didn't, you know, they didn't consciously uncouple. They mm -hmm. were, I would guess that Beverly Crusher has not had very many great things to say about Picard based on what we've gotten from Jack so far. Yeah, it's very true. Do you think Picard is really pushing for, okay, he doesn't deserve to be executed. He should be tried in a court of law because Picard's like, I'm such a good lawyer. Don't worry. I was able to get data off the hook. I could definitely make that work out for you. Yeah, I mean, Picard is definitely thinking about, like, we've been thinking about that particular arc on TNG since the beginning of Picard the series. Yeah, exactly. Like, here's a copy of the drumhead, Jack. Watch it while you're in the brig, and it'll show you how <laughs> good I am. Yeah, well, we love, you know, we love Picard as Clarence Darrow. Yeah, exactly. But Jack's not going to have time to watch the tapes, as he's going to devise his own plan here uh where i guess he has a little wristwatch that can essentially like bring down a force field depending on the intensity level this sure seems like technology that this is pretty basic stuff they should have been able to prevent yeah well I, maybe it's because again the uh the, the titan as shaw is going to say many times right is an exploratory vessel it is not for war this is not Discovery, where it was a science vessel that was then able to then become outfitted with like awesome technology this truly is like a, a seafaring glass bottom boat that's been about become a battleship. So maybe the guys, the engineer that's running the brig is not necessarily the best jailkeeper. Yeah, maybe not. Um, you know, we, we've, we've been, this has been a common theme with, with Star Trek that, you know, not everybody is there for war. And when war happens, you have to step up, but otherwise, you know, it, it, it takes all kinds of people to run Starfleet. Well, Jack is going to be running from the brig and runs straight into 
seven. And I love the two of them holding each other at phaser point while then also tensely talking over the communicator here. Uh, and Picard reasons, right, because they try to talk to Vatic again. Picard's like, let's stand up to them. And Vatic's like, great, if you don't hand him over, I'm going to destroy each and everything that you and Starfleet ever love. Bye. And Shaw just says, well, that was some really great standing up. But Picard reasons, see, Jack's not all too bad. You know, there was no way to get out of here. What Jack was doing was trying to essentially make the sacrifice play to beam himself aboard the Shrike to save the ship. But all of that arguments back and forth is allayed as Riker makes a pretty unorthodox move here and wakes up a comatose woman to get a nodded confirmation as to the lineage of Jack Crusher. Yeah, this seems like there's a lot of things, there's a lot of questions that Bev Crusher would answer, and I appreciate Riker's willingness to just go to the source where a lesser television program would have dragged it out for another three or four episodes. Like, oh, if only she was here, she could answer the question. The second somebody said, if only she was here, she could answer the question, Riker's like, okay, on it. Yeah, and I really appreciate that as well, that it's not just hey, we're bringing back Riker for the sake of bringing back Riker, that they actually are getting him involved in other ways. He's not just there for the fan service element, that he's going to do these things. He's going to work around these little corners to be able to make plot expediency happen. I'm very happy he does, as, again, something that maybe a different type of show would wait to confirm until halfway, maybe even two-thirds of the way through the season is confirmed right here, right now. And I think it's a beautifully acted moment from both Gates McFadden and Patrick Stewart, where... You know, she grabs the railing probably because her legs are still a bit frozen and she just looks up at him with tears in her eyes as if to say, yes. And Picard just like closes his eyes. I think he's a bit taken aback by the explicit confirmation as to who Jack is. Like you said, his history with family and children is complicated to say the least. And so it does feel like he almost gets hit uh, by a phaser set to stun of emotionality when this revelation is made. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to definitely give Patrick Stewart a lot to work with in the coming episodes. It's just like, but it's just like, why though? I need to know. I need you guys to have that conversation next episode. I need that to happen right away. I got to know more about the dynamic and why she did the things she did. Well, maybe Beverly's vocal cords just need to defrost a little bit, and then she'll be able to talk next episode. But right now, this fuels Picard, right? He digests this new information for a second, and then he immediately says, belay that, and he starts giving when everyone orders, we're locking everything down, we're making sure Jack stays, and Shaw asks, why are you doing this? And he fiercely says back, because he's my son. And I love this from so many ways, both, again, that just, like, verve that you feel from the Picard of young becoming the Picard of old in a manner of speaking behind Shaw kind of resignatingly just sighing and saying yes I we don't know what his family history is but it appears he does have a heart in some way shape or form I just think it was a really nice powerhouse scene to cap off again what could be kind of a bottle episode considering they were staying on the ship in one place for most of the episode but clearly a lot has moved in the form of the plot yeah. Yeah. And I think we had to get we had to get Shaw a little bit out of the way here. So I guess like this was inevitable. The look at me, I am the captain now moment. This was inevitable. Yes, exactly. And so the answer to Vadic asking, 
what will you do? Will you give us Jack Crusher? Is of course Picard saying, engage. Though in this time, engage does not just mean go to warp. I guess it means also like fire off repulsor rays and then disappear, play hide and seek in the nebula. But I adored the ending of this episode as Vadek's response is more bemusement than actual fear at the camera shaking that we usually get Star Trek style. And her maniacal laugh echoes as the screen cuts to black, which is just very, very fun that, okay, look, they, your prey has a little bit of fight in it. That just makes the chase all the more enjoyable. Yeah, it's like, okay, be evil. Just be super evil. And she does it. Yeah, which makes me very excited. So now we have a cat and mouse game happening where we have gotten inside the cat's brain in a manner of speaking. We don't know everything that makes it tick, but we got to know the cat a little bit and we got to see the mouse in which the dynamics are constantly changing. So I'm imagining this is going to be something they'll have to be talking about as they are being on the run from the Shrike moving forward, which will make for a nice, I think, dual balancing of both you know personal content as well as fun shooty action scenes yep yep i feel like what i'm worried about though mike is are we going to be doing two things at once and not having them mesh very well Mm. because i think we're getting some very powerful personal moments from picard the character patrick stewart the actor i think there's some really interesting character stuff that's happening here And it's all kind of tied up in this very rote type of story. Well, that brings up another interesting thing, which is the fact that we are still dealing with dual storylines as well, right? We'll get right into right now what's happening on um, Telus Prime with Raffi as she continues her sort of voyage there. And that will take a large step forward at the end of this. But I really wonder moving forward with episode three, is this what it's going to be? Is like, the Picard side of things and the Raffi side of things. One of the many things I did not expect from Star Trek Picard season three. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did get one thing we very much expected out of Picard season three. We get the identity of the handler, which still satisfying. Yeah, completely. Let's get into that storyline. So we start as Raffi is just pouring over all these devastating news reports as to just the terrorist attack that occurred at the end of last episode. We have it explicitly confirmed it was a, like, B-level Starfleet recruitment center that has been destroyed. Somehow only 117 people died? Like, a whole-ass building was dropped on a city? Was everyone just on vacation that day? They're lucky that only 117 people died. But, of course, this is going to trigger... Raffi's old conspiracy brain. She puts the tinfoil hat on and is ready to fly. As despite the handler, which, as you said, we will confirm later, is Worf, is telling her to, for lack of a better term, disengage, stay away from it. There's a suspect supposedly in custody named Lorak Toluco, who is a Romulan rebel. Raffi is not convinced. She feels like there is something deeper to this. And you just tell her to not do something and she's going to do it even harder. Michael Scott style. Yep. Well, this is why we love her. And um, it's not surprising. I I love that we're finally getting like a real Ferengi warlord situation here because this should be a character we see a little bit more often. We haven't seen a really truly evil Ferengi in a long time. Yeah, I was trying to think of have we seen a Ferengi in live action modern Trek? I don't really think we have. 
uh, I, I was thinking like, oh, maybe it was uh, was it Clint Howard's character, but I'm pretty sure he was an Orion in Star Trek Discovery. I think for whatever reason, they stayed away from it. Though I guess from Star Trek Discovery Season 1's perspective, I'm glad we did because I don't want them to redo them like they did the Klingons. I want like the big, ugly, bulbousy brain people. Yep, we need we need Ferengi loaf. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll I will admit at the outset here, I kind of rolled my eyes with this Raffi stuff because I'm like, are we really doing this? Are we really focusing on this, taking time away from all this interesting emotional stuff happening on the Titan to focus on Raffi trying to uncover a conspiracy? But then that turns surprisingly personal, and I will say. Huge kudos to the writers and the showrunner here, of which are different from season one, for hearkening back to a big moment from season one, as we, I believe, see for the first time Raffi's ex-husband and a lot of talk about a storyline that happened in a season one episode where she went to visit her son and learned, and we learned by process, that, like, essentially, you know, her family kind of left her behind and now her son has his own family to raise that has kind of excommunicated her because of all the stuff she got involved with. Yeah. I had forgotten completely that that was a thing and they, they did a good job of weaving it into the dialogue without feeling like super exposition-y. Yeah. Because we've, we've spent so much time with Rafi as she is now that hints of what she used to be like have been kind of few and far between throughout season two so i'm glad they didn't forget i totally agree and for me i like this better it's less handholdy than doing a previously on and showing the scene from season one where she goes to like the birthing place to see her son mm -hmm. and learns about his family that feels too explicit to me of okay you better expect for this thing to happen I like personally that it took me a minute to remember that plot line. Again, that might make me an atypical TV viewer, but I appreciate we didn't have to have it underlined and foreshadowed to us through a previously on. Yeah, I I liked it as well, but I also like that I could pull it because mm -hmm. you could go too far in the other direction and you could expect people to remember that. And it's like, we're in peak TV, Mike. We might, we might be on the like other side of the bell curve of peak TV, but we're still in it. There's so much to watch. You're lucky I remember that Picard's in the show. <laughs> what did you make of Rafi's ex, Jay? This is weird to me, Mike, because if we are to believe that Rafi's son, and it is a bridge too far to ask me to remember his name or anything, but if we are to believe that he was mad at her and that they kind of split off from her um it sure seems like ex mr raffi is involved in a lot of shady stuff too and it looks like maybe furthermore raffi cleaned up her act and went straight and this looks like maybe ex mr raffi did not yeah what do we know about him so we know he's an artist i mean the reason why she called upon him was to get a connection to this shady ferengi named sneed I don't know. Do you think it's like coincidence that she happened to just still hang out on the same planet that I'm assuming he lived on? Or was this part of her big brain plan, much like the big loaf on Ferengi to try to use him as like a criminal contact almost? Yeah, but but it's also like, okay, if if he's as mad at you as your son is, but he's the one that's got all the Ferengi content, contacts, it's like, he seems like he's just as shady. And that he never went clean. We know the Ferengi, though, are connoisseurs of culture, right? That's true. 
So I would imagine I that he was, I would imagine that Sneed actually might have been one of his biggest sellers. He, yeah, Sneed could be selling art. I mean, art is one of the biggest money laundering schemes mm-hmm. on earth. So it stands to reason. But it also seems like Jay is out partying. Like this is a pretty wild bar. I like how all bars look the same on Star Trek, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no gastro pubs in Star Trek. It's nope. always just like the same seedy, no no boots at all, just stools lined up, willy nilly, you know, dust ridden counters, one guy constantly shining it at all times. That's what a bar looks like in the 25th century. We've really just reduced it down to one type. Yeah, yeah. And it's dark, and there's like tons and tons of extras in like the same cheap sparkly outfit i'm not sure how to feel about the ultimatum that jay gives to raffi here of okay i can help you set up a meeting with gabe and get back in the good graces with your son or i can get you what you want in this meeting with sneed i'll give you only one i think you could look at it in one direction as okay you're being super shrewd on the other hand again if you look at it from his perspective as we like to do in star trek like is this almost like cutting an addict off of their supply for a second by saying like it's choosing between us and them. I would try to headcanon this as like, if he was in this relationship with Rafi and dealing with a lot of things that she was getting involved in, it would make sense naturally for him to bring this all or nothing perspective to her. Even if for us, it seemed a little jarring. Yeah. But it seems like these two things have nothing to do with each other. This really, it, it feels like he's bringing his personal stuff to a business question. And it's like, you guys have had 30 years to deal with this and sort it out amongst yourselves. Like, be an adult. This has nothing to do with that. Like, don't use your children as leverage. Yeah, definitely not. I'm, su- I'm assuming Gabe certainly did not sign off on his name being dropped over the course of this conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Gabe would probably prefer they not even bring him up at all. Mm-hmm. And he's got his own family that he's working on. He's not trifling with his mom and dad's squabbles and deals with Ferengi at this moment. Yeah, this is that's the only reason they bring it in in the dialogue is because they want it to be they want it to be super clear what that relationship is and make you remember that this all happened. But I think using it as leverage just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I think it also is a nice beat from Raffi's character, considering that. At the end of season one, and especially season two, to a point you made earlier, we pretty much had moved on from her family. And I think maybe explicitly, this is her actually doing that, being given this choice. Okay, it's your family, or this this conspiracy you're chasing after, and she chooses the latter. So I would not be surprised if this is the only appearance or mention we get of her family. I could also see a world where maybe at the end of it all, she survives whatever skirmish ends up happening with all this stuff. And decides that she is going to fully envelop her family and give up the good stuff. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to bring it up again, it must come around. Like, it's probably part of her happy ending that she, you know, makes an overture and it's not outright rejected. Yeah, she could have a double date with her and Seven and Gabe and his wife. Yeah, sure. Now watch, Gabe's wife is also going to be an XB, and then the double date gets a lot more complicated. How many of those are there, Mike? There are dozens of us. Dozens! (laughs) Because it sure seems like it was a pretty unusual circumstance for somebody to be a Borg and then not be a Borg. It's like they write everybody off as dead as soon as they get assimilated, except in the case of these like five characters that we've already met. Um, And it seemed like 
in season one, we were made to understand that there still wasn't a whole lot of room to reverse that procedure. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, I got assimilated the other day. I got to go to City MD and get that fixed. <laughs> well, let's move to Sneed's lair here. And like we've talked about before, very fun to see new Trek version of Ferengi. Uh, Sneed here played by Aaron Stanford, who is yet another 12 Monkeys reference i haven't watched the show but i also believe that splinter which is the drug that he sprays in raffi's eyes to induce her to a point where she tell the truth i believe is also from 12 monkeys which i love i've watched the boys and eric kripke loves putting supernatural references in there so i appreciate you know crossing the streams in a manner of speaking yeah tie it all into the tommy westfall universe eventually exactly so as we look around sneed's lair here my eyes, Jess, went to a certain spherical object within <laughs> Sneed's collection. Yes. Is this a dark epilogue to the events of Star Trek Deep Space Nine? Did Kira give away Cisco's baseball? I mean, that's really upsetting if they did. I hope we're not meant to believe that there, there's only one baseball in the entire galaxy. But it, boy, why else have it? Why else have it if it's not Cisco's? That's upsetting. Uh, more upsetting is the fact that apparently Avery Brooks would love to come back and do a cameo on one Ugh. of these shows and nobody's asking him. Yet. Yet. We shall yet. see. I I still think there's a non-zero chance that he shows up at the end of Star Trek Picard, that the prophets end up uh, appearing in some way. <laughs> That's shape, all we or need form. is the prophets. Yeah, they'll serve as the deus ex machina. They end up uh, at the Gamma Quadrant at the end of the day. But yeah, I don't like thinking about those circumstances unless it's like, okay, maybe, I don't know, Brunt came in for the umpteen time to Deep Space Nine to clean out Quarks, and Quark was like, oh, uh, how about I put this up as collateral, and he just grabs the baseball he swiped off of Kira's desk. Yeah. Yeah, and Kira completely forgot she had it. Yeah, <laughs> like, we did that one episode, and that's it. No more baseball on the holodeck. I outlaw it. I know, I know that we don't like draconian rule. That was what I was fighting against, but I have one hard and fast rule. No baseball. Yeah, we're deleting that program entirely. Any thoughts here about Sneed outside of the, the typical lovely Ferengi stuff that we enjoy? Well, we haven't had a really evil Ferengi since TNG, basically. Like, they were set up for a long time in TNG when we saw Ferengi. They were the big bads. They were, yep. like, out-and-out out crime lords. And then we walked that back so much in DS9. And, you know, DS9, still my favorite Star Trek by Country Mile. But the fact that we that we made the capitalists into less bad guys. And in some cases, like, kind of satirical, like, more of a joke. Mm-hmm. I I think there's probably more super evil crime lordy look here's this guy's head type Ferengis than there are like cuddly petty crime quark type Ferengis. Yeah when a Ferengi holds up the severed head of a Romulan to tie up loose ends you know this ain't your mama's Ferengi. He very much means business. He runs a tight operation here. Uh, and Hashtag so- Trek so gritty. Exactly. So Rafi is obviously going to try to get him to reveal, right? Okay, I know you were bought off to bought off to throw Toluco under the bus. Give me the real name. And he says, No, absolutely not. I killed Toluco myself. There's no way I'm giving you the person who actually bought these weapons of mass destruction from me. And just when it seems like Rafi is up a creek without a paddle, in comes a man who, uh, much like the old West character that he played once upon a time, 
whistles in and starts blowing people away. And once we saw that bat left through the chest, admittedly, just a little bit hard to watch on my TV screen. I think I had to adjust the darkness uh, from my HBO Sunday night shows. But we get to see here Old Man Worf finally appearing on Star Trek Picard, confirming he was Raffi's handler. Silver Fox Worf, here for it. Absolutely. This was a lot of fun. Just seeing Worf kick ass. And like you said, Trexo Gritty having Sneed be delivered the pain that he inflicted to Luko as well of having his head just bloodlessly chopped off his own body. And, you know, for all Worf talks about being a proper Klingon, you don't see him inflict carnage very much throughout the course of the series. So this was interesting as well. Yeah, it does not feel honorable to do that, right? Maybe Worf was able to listen from around the bend and pick up exactly what Snead did and thought, okay, an eye for an eye. Right, right. Well, you know, the the Klingons are, they talk a big game about like spilling the blood of their enemies on the battlefield and like feasting on organs and whatnot, but you never see Worf actually doing any of that. Yeah, I just love, again, Michael Dorn's very dry delivery of, I told you, do not engage. That's going to be such a fun dynamic moving forward, right? Because now we're going to have the dry, sarcastic Raffi versus like the dry, straight man, but also hysterical at the same time, Worf, for the time being. Assumingly, now they're probably going to be like on the run on the planet from all these goons after cutting a Ferengi crime lord's head off. This is going to be a really fun time. It is. and But I do, I do want these stories to come together sooner rather than later. Like, they can have one more episode. I'll give them one more episode to do their own thing, but I need this all to tie back together. Yeah, it is really interesting to see where we are, right? Because I think we had assumed that the TNG crew would be brought together sooner rather than later. But right now, Picard, Riker, and Crusher are all together, but they are inside this nebula that has blocked all signals. Worf is on a completely different planet with Raffi. I would imagine that Raffi and Worf together will eventually figure out like, okay, we have to go off the Starfleet grid for this. Who do we know that can do that? How about Jean-Luc Picard? And maybe that's where their paths merge. I don't know. Let's put a prediction out there, Jess. In what episode will these two metaphoric tribes merge, in your opinion, that Worf and Raffi will meet up with some combination of Picard, Riker, and Crusher? I'm going to say end of next week. Okay, wow. That is super quick. I'm That's going to... wishful thinking, but yeah. yes. No, manifested. Absolutely. I will be a little more conservative. I'm going to say five. I think halfway through the season, much like a Survivor season, is a good point to say, okay, now everybody is coming together. Because I can imagine episode three is just going to be them trapped in the nebula, uh, a la a multi-part song series from an artist that we should not speak of. And then they'll probably make their way out of there and maybe spend another episode like visiting a couple of other people. And then finally things come together. But I'd be more than happy if by the end of next week, everything starts merging. Yeah, well, and I think we got to get them out of the nebula so that more interesting things can happen. I think the answer of who actually dropped the building on the other building, that's got to tie back to what's going on in the Picard storyline. It's probably, if I had to guess, it probably is Vatic having something to do with that. Yeah, Vatic especially is a ROM, right? Like the theory I put out last time about the uh, Rachel Garrett of it all and Salo's possible involvement. If that is the case, I think, like you said, go Occam's Razor. Let's not have too many big bads and overly complicate the final season. Right, right. It's all, it's all going to come together somehow. 
but yeah i I would like it to come together soon so we can just get on the path of like getting rid of the bad guy well jess while certainly our characters did not disengage despite encouragement over the course of this episode you and i disengaged from coverage of one of our shows over on rob has a podcast as tough as nails is no more yep we put it to bed uh we, we clocked out on tough as nails mike we put it to bed like all those times that Picard cannot do that to Jack Crusher. Right. We went down to the went down to the lower decks and got in the bunk. <laughs> you owe me 20 years of bedtime stories, John Luke Picard. <laughs> read them to me now. He's gonna read him Dickens. And he's gonna fall asleep instantly. Here's a tale of a man named Dixon Hill. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, do you think you they can... do read a lot of bedtime stories in the Star Trek universe, or do they have they all just is everybody just always on screens all the time? Yeah, I do wonder, like. These people have very intense anxiety-ridden jobs. How do they go to sleep? How do you sleep at night knowing what you know? I mean, there probably is a very easy hypo spray that you can inject to just like instantly put you to sleep. But I feel like that's a bad idea given the occupational hazards and the chances of a red alert. Yeah, and we've also seen what happens. I mean, they probably just do it Judy Garland style, like one hypo spray to knock you out, one hypo spray to pep you up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's a hypo spray for everything out there, but I'd be intrigued to see. And true to Star Trek tropes, how much of it would be based in literature that is, you know, all the way back, like, thousands and thousands of years ago? I don't know. Maybe we'll get that answer over the course of the series, as they seem to be providing a hefty amount of them. Perhaps more questions to be answered in later episodes, including next week's episode of Star Trek Picard, known as 17 Seconds. Very interesting title. My guess would be that's like the amount of lead time that the Titan has over the Shrike. And so that's going to be the lead they're going to try to maintain throughout the entire episode. Sounds like a case for the Picard maneuver. Yes, exactly. So then it becomes 34 seconds, perhaps. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you can check out all the other stuff we're doing on post-show recaps. Lots of things happening as we are moving from February into March. A lot of shows are premiering between The Mandalorian, Yellow Jackets, Succession, Ted Lasso. All of that is premiering in the next month, and we have you covered with multiple shows per week, while, of course, things like The Last of Us are ending. PosherRecaps.com to check it all out. Of course, we are still early in the Star Trek season, so you can check out our Star Trek-only coverage as well with our feed at PosherRecaps.com slash Star Trek. And please, while you're there, Ratings, reviews, greatly appreciated. We are still in its infancy days of season three. And so if people are checking out a Star Trek Picard recap podcast, we hope people are able to not only find this, but enjoy it as well. You can also follow us on social media. Jess is at Haymaker Hattie. I am at a Mike Bloom type. And of course, there is at Posha Recaps. Let us know your thoughts about the show so far. Your thoughts as to who Vatic might be. Is Jack Crusher really Picard's son, or is this playing 4D chess? We shall see, perhaps as soon as next week, as the Titan continues to be chased, and Worf and Raffi may be chased as well. Should be a lot of fun to get into as Star Trek Picard veers into episode three of its final season. Thank you all so much for listening. Just great work as per usual. Until next time, live long and prosper. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.